Welcome, ladies and gentlemen, to the Danger Room, the X-Men Comics Commentary Podcast. My name is Adam. And my name is Jeremy. And we're here to discuss Uncanny X-Men number 208, the August 1986 issue on sale, May 6th of 1986, with a cover price of 75 cents. This one's titled Retribution. Yeah, boy. And on the cover of this, you have the X-Men facing off with the Hellfire Club. And then the, uh, in the Marvel box, there's Phoenix by herself, or Rachel Summers, if you don't ascribe to that yeah. Phoenix thing. She's like clutching herself. She's uh, like, eh. And uh, in the backdrop behind the X-Men and the Hellfire Club is a giant pink face of Nimrod. It's kind of a spoiler. Yeah. <laughs> but I guess, you know. Hey, man, they're letting you know that, like, there's going to be fighting and there's going to be a robot. Like, this is the book. Like, you walk into the comic book of your shop and you're like, I want to try something new. And you see this cover, you're like, huh, this looks awesome. Well, in that case, it is a bit of a misleading cover then. That's true. However, let's dig in. Yeah. We, uh, yeah, we open this thing up. It's written by Chris Claremont. Uh, John Romita Jr. and Dan Green are the artists. Tom Orzakowski is the letterer. Glennis Oliver is the colorist. And Nascenti is the editor. And Jim Shooter is the editor-in-chief. And a very frantic-looking Kitty Pride looks at us with doughy brown eyes and says, Wolverine, how could you? What have you done? Do you think this is a callback to Professor X is a big jerk? Huh. Uh, I could see where you would make that uh, uh, parallel, but uh, no, I don't. You think it's just a uh, randomly similar drawing of Kitty shouting out at the audience? Yeah, yeah. Okay. Uh, I like this panel a lot. It's a good That's panel. It's a good drawing. Yep. And uh, we, we are reminded as we move into the next page that we are in the Morlock Tunnels. Wolverine has made it back from the Hellfire Club where she stabbed... Uh, Rachel, and uh, now she's being lectured by Kitty about, how could you do this? Why are you calling Wolverine a she? Well, okay. He is being <laughs> lectured by Kitty. I mean, maybe you know something I don't. I just want to be sure. You know, it's never really been revealed. <laughs> like, he's never pulled it out and been like, total man. <laughs> okay. <laughs> um, yeah, she was an X-Man, and you killed her. You might have killed her. What have you got to say for yourself? Yup. <laughs> You putting me on trial, girl? Wolverine's kind of, he he's very standoffish. He's, he's almost kind of like, you know me. Like, if there was any other way, I would have done it. But since you're questioning me, I'm not really going to explain myself. What I did had to be done, pumpkin. Yeah, I'm the best at what I do, and what I do is kill my friends. That's a nickname a friend uses. I don't think you qualify anymore. We're not friends. Um, this is, I feel, I don't know, like, they, they make a lot of points that Wolverine, you know, Wolverine, uh, Nightcrawler says, if there was another way, you probably would have done it, because that's the way you are, and Wolverine agrees, yeah, I, I, I thought it through, but I don't know, it just, it doesn't, it, it doesn't come off, I don't know, I feel like Wolverine wouldn't have done this, but. Obviously, he did, so. It's a little much, but um, Kitty is like, there has, there's always a different way. Uh, you're always telling me that, and Wolverine's like, no, not this time. She was obsessed, powerful, and I was too weak. So we know that Wolverine's been through a lot, right? He had his big battle with uh, uh, Lady Deathstrike. Um, I guess, remember, the Beyonder did a number on him as well. Not really, but that's what they said in the pages. So he's like, I don't got time for this. If you're not going to come with me, Rachel, I'm just going to end you. 
the, I guess, I guess the problem I have is that the Wolverine that I know doesn't want Rachel to go down this path, but doesn't stop trying to convince her otherwise. I don't know. Cause, cause like Celine's not worth all this. Celine is not worth in, in the, in the minds of Wolverine that I know Celine is not worth killing Rachel over. Well, Wolverine is trying to prove a point, though, that as X-Men and as heroes, do you really walk in and overpower an opponent for the sole point of killing them? No, Wolverine throws himself at Rachel and tries to stop her until he destroys her, or she destroys him, rather. Okay. Thereby making himself the victim and making her see the error of her ways. I think maybe if Wolverine was at 100% and not all beaten up from his uh, recent trials and tribulations, he would have done that. Well, he... Even even more the easier he should he should have been he should have been that much easier easier for her to kill yeah and she'd have been all like what have I done oh Wolverine and his final thing that he did showed me the errors of my ways Wolverine goes on and he says um, we're supposed to stand for something if we break the rules or throw them away then why should anybody follow him Kitty's quick to point out oh and if we do we answer to you who appointed you the keeper of my conscience Bella. Which, you know, I'm, I'm glad at least there's an argument and it um, goes on for three pages. Yeah, it's a very long argument. I feel like it's almost, this is a, another or a part of Kitty's turning point. She's not a kid anymore. She's almost taking the Wolverine role from Kitty Pride and Wolverine to be like, I've, I've learned some things. I'm going to impart upon you some lessons. But instead of Wolverine doing it to Kitty, it's Kitty doing it to Wolverine. Yeah, but Wolverine's not listening. Nope, not at all. <laughs> uh, Storm chimes in and she's like, look. Both of you. Enough is enough. It's what's done is done. I understand why you did it, Wolverine, but I don't justify it. And he lights a cigarette. It's kind of a douche move. <laughs> He's like, oh, look, after I get done stabbing people, I like to go to flavor country. <laughs> <laughs> and so Storm would like to use the X-Men and the Morlocks to track down uh, Rachel on the off chance that she's still alive. Is that supposed to be Sunder behind Callisto? I believe so, yes. Okay. Callisto's like, yep, you you rule the Morlocks, so whatever you need us to do, we'll do. But uh, I know Wolvie, and he knows his business. If he says he hit true, that girl's dead. How does she know Wolvie? She doesn't. <laughs> I don't know that they have ever, like, corresponded with one another in any of these stories. I'm a really good judge of character, and that guy seems like a straight arrow. <laughs> <laughs> she, well, she, uh, as co-leader of the Morlocks, has access to the X-Men's files. Oh, okay. <laughs> and she she had a chance to, you know, sneak through the tunnels up to Westchester and read those files. And she's like, oh, this Wolverine sounds like a stand-up guy. A little <laughs> cold-blooded and ruthless, but, you know, still a guy I'd like to have on my side. We cut to Central Park where a mugging is happening. A mugger has a woman... Uh, He's holding her by the throat. He's got a knife to her. He drags her into the deep of Central Park, grabs her purse and says, shut up, lady. You want to keep breathing? You do as you're told. I got your money. Now you and me, we're going to have us some And as he's about to do terrible Chris Claremonti things to her, uh, Celine steps in, grabs him and um, absorbs his life essence. Yeah. I think the implication here is that Celine's battle with Rachel uh, took a lot out of her, so she's she used up a lot of her life life essence, so she's aged and she's just kind of. Aren't there people at the Hellfire Club like closer? She she ran all the way to Central Park, just like, oh, I just got to make it out here. All right, no one will notice in Central Park. She doesn't seem like somebody who 
cares that much. Well, you know, when, when you I mean, it's a good scene. It just seems like it's sort of a in this central park for no reason. Yeah, she needed some fresh air. <laughs> but yeah, she is. She is very old. And then as she turns the man into dust by uh, sucking up his essence, he she she reverts back to closer to her being. She says, ah, what to have to remember such a creature. The fates can be cruel. Yeah. So and then she turns to the, the woman who was the victim of the man who says, you saved me. Thank you. And and then she kills her, too. And so she heads back to the Hellfire Club, all replenished, and she drops her cloak to reveal her underwear that she's wearing, because that's what you do when you're in the Hellfire Club, unless you're a guy. Hey, everybody, I changed my outfit from when I was out in Central Park. <laughs> and uh, she basically says, like, look, that X-Man came in here with the sole purpose of trying to kill me. It's only a matter of time before any one of you is next. She says that Rachel... Uh, was planning on killing anybody who was in there, and even though even though we know that she was only really after Celine, yeah. And so the you know the Hellfire Club's like, well, that doesn't really sound like the X Men, and they're like, well, no, it was just this Rachel person, so we should take her out. And Wolverine stopped her. But how does this concern us? That uh, that has nothing to do with us. That's when she says she came to slay the Lords of Cardinal. And uh, well, also, Tessa steps in and says, The queen is right, my lords. Phoenix was a powerful enough side to penetrate the club undetected. Or, I guess Tessa's a lady. And then take the lady Selene unawares. Moreover, after Wolverine's attack, she was still able to flee these premises. It's logical, therefore, to infer that she still lives and may yet recover. Uh, Shaw said reasons that hunting the Phoenix will probably bring them into conflict with the X-Men. Um, Selene goads him and says, are you afraid, Shaw? If so, perhaps the time has come for a queen to rule. He says, you desire to take my place, madam? Then, then take it if you can. But actually, I agree with you. So, uh, we're going to go after Rachel, but I want her alive. Understand? Alive. Selene understands, but she's given the camera and the panel or whatever that look like she's got ulterior motives meanwhile uh uptown or somewhere a robot is scanning and uh finds avengers mansion the hellfire club rachel I didn't realize avengers mansion was so close to the hellfire club it's yeah like on the same uh street oh, yeah if you look at some of the marvel guide to the marvel universes they show where in manhattan those two locations are and Yes, they're close. And she finds uh, Phoenix, which is, this is interesting. She says, Class Omega Contact, Location Central Park, Accessing Main Memory for Identifacts, Priority Search, Code 101A1, Codex Ident, Phoenix, and blah, 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 blah. Didn't she only take the Phoenix code name when she came back in time and, like, held her mother's space ball? <laughs> Maybe when the Beyonder forced those Sentinels back in time and they recognized her as, or they saw her as, un, they didn't recognize her, but then saw her, she had different powers. Somehow they're connected to Nimrod. And in a scene we didn't see, Nimrod was getting like new data and was like, where is this new data coming from? Okay, I'll give you that. But then how do they, how does Nimrod and the Codifax files indicate this woman as Phoenix? Well, the, uh, the, I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> All right. That's just, you know, I feel like, uh, you know, she wasn't going by the name Phoenix in the future. I think she was just Rachel. Well, the, the like I said, the Sentinels had the, all access to the same files. And when they met Phoenix, 
they updated their files, which then over the internet that was shared between them and Nimrod, Nimrod's files also got updated. Okay. So there, they, there's like a... It's like a database scrub. There's a, yeah, there's a, a long distance uh, um, uh, communication field between that all sentinels share. Right. And when one learns something, they all learn it. Exactly. Okay, fine. Uh, <laughs> I'll go with that, I guess. Goes on to say, warning, 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 upper limit of target subject abilities has yet to be determined. Extreme caution is to be exercised. And uh, that's when Nimrod says he's got he's to do something about this. He's got a little satellite coming out of his arm that he's using to figure out where all the mutants are. Mm-hmm. Not just mutants, though. The Avengers, those are also on his radar. Just, you know, not quite as bad as the mutants, but but still not human. Does he have a, does he have a thing against superhumans? Yeah, hmm. but more so mutants than superhumans. The um, Jamie Rodriguez's son comes out. Oh wait, looking for Nimrod. There's a, a data scan indicates that Phoenix has been uh, hurt and she's operating far below optimum performance level. So now is the time to strike. She's isolated from her fellow X Men and most vulnerable. Right. Okay. Yeah, that's important. That's why the attack is happening now and not some other time. So that's when Jamie Rod- Jamie Rodriguez's kid uh, Thomas comes out and says, "Hey, Nimrod, can you help me with my homework?" And uh, that made me got me to wondering. So, like, everybody knows who Nimrod is because he's in the papers as this giant mutant uh, killing robot. Well, he's more. Is he a mutant robot killing robot, or is he just like a hero for the people? Well, whatever he is, he's a giant pink thing that everybody's like. Nimrod will save the day. He's a mutant hunter. Oh yeah, yeah. But then there's this guy who just looks like a regular guy whose name is also Nimrod, which is pretty weird. (laughs) And is is nobody connecting the dots? I don't think it's a secret identity because uh, she says I must alter my physiognomy is so he does not suspect oh my true nature yeah you're right so jamie and thomas rodriguez maybe they suspect that he i don't know it's just kind of like how do they not put it together nimrod's not a very common name is all i'm saying (laughs) i think they're um i think chris claremont's going back on that thing he started (laughs) a while back oh because i mean it really hasn't been touched upon in like I don't know, 20 some issues. So, so Nimrod was never in the papers. Yeah, that never happened. That was a, okay. a alternate reality. All right. <laughs> or, or, uh, we saw maybe some reporters taking the pictures, but it turns out that Nimrod's got the ability to, you know, blank out film. Well, it wasn't mainly the papers that I was considering so much as people going like, yeah, Nimrod will stop the mutants. Yeah, no, I remember that. <laughs> um, yeah, I don't know. Uh, but, but I don't. I don't think I think that's gone. Like I don't think that's going to come back in the pages of the X Men. Maybe maybe Nimrod is wiping their minds. <laughs> what I'd like to know, and it'll be interesting for us as as we move forward, is uh, you know, does Nimrod show up in other comics? He must. No, I don't. I know. guess he doesn't. He, he not necessarily does. He must, but it's well. Everybody else shows up in everybody else's books. And that's Ni- true. Nimrod's going to disappear for like years. Nimrod is like. Uh... Chris Claremont says, no, you can't use Nimrod. He's, <laughs> He's mine. mine. Copyright Claremont. I created him. So, yeah, uh, this kid comes out. He's like, hey, Nimrod, will you help me check my home or do my homework? And he's like, I'd love to, but I got some business uptown. So Ooh, maybe later. Says, I'd like to, Thomas, <laughs> but I have business downtown. Tell you what, if I can, I'll give a look in the morning before school. Thanks. That'd be great, Nimrod. Anytime, pal. Sleep tight. 
And then he goes on to think in his mind, it's not his function to teach, yet he enjoys it. How is it I feel joy, feel anything? Such behavior is uh, anomalous. Upon returning from tonight's mission, I correction, this unit will run a full systems diagnostic examination, shifting to combat mode. Yeah, so Nimrod's getting a little bit of humanity. I feel like that disappears as well. As I was about to say. <laughs> like, yeah, I really feel like Chris Claremont doesn't know what his ultimate goal is with Nimrod. You know, he's painting in broad strokes. Yeah. Other than there's like a badass robot hanging around Manhattan. So I guess he has to be like, well, what's he been doing for like the last couple of months? <laughs> Apparently running around erasing everybody's memory of him. I mean, it's determined that, that Nimrod's pretty freaking powerful. So why isn't he just blasting mutants left and right? Uh, he wanted to hang, like, with the whole Beyonder thing going on, he was like, I better hang low <laughs> and yeah. just go around wiping the minds of humans who know of my existence. That'd be a that'd be a pretty good, um, like, what if story or just, you know, <laughs> what if Nimrod met the Beyonder? I what don't know. did Nimrod do yeah. when the Beyonder was in town? Yeah. <laughs> Anyways, uh, so then we get uh, a very traditional telepathic. Um, out-of-control mind uh, salad of different words and emotions and such going through the city. It's kind of in, in four panels, four stages. The the first panel is just uh, extremely large fonts of the basic names for emotions. Yeah. And then the next panel breaks it down to very basic uh, thoughts and feelings. And then we start to break it down into uh, more thoughts and feelings, but we're starting to see the background now, and then we're getting clearer thoughts. This girl is thinking to herself, run, 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 shin hurt too much, body bouncing so hard, stay this thin, want to look nice, be loved, quit, no can't want to breathe, run, breathe not home, go, go, go. Which I thought was pretty funny. Uh, whenever I'm running, that's exactly what I think. I mean, I'm assuming these are not her thoughts so much as the essence of her thoughts that yeah. Rachel is getting a vibe on. But it's just kind of bizarre. Yeah. Chris Claremont just assumes that this runner girl wants to stay thin. Right. It's, it's not, just a weird little character that he threw in there. Not that she wants to maybe stay fit or, you know, whatever. I want to look good. Got to put some vanity in there. She wants to be loved. Yeah. And she can't be loved if she's not thin. Well. Ooh, Chris Claremont doing a little... Uh, cultural cultural uh, commentary there. Yeah. Rachel's laying in the park. She's stabbed. She's clutching her chest, and she's she's telling all these thoughts to shut up, and she's regaining control of her psi shields. She uh, relives all the events that occurred last issue, and we learned that she is using her telekinetic abilities to keep herself together. And if she relaxes her telekinesis, even for a moment, her lungs will fill with blood and she'll die. Yeah, which is it's pretty intense. So now she's going through a wealth of emotions about like, oh, I should go back to the X-Men. I love them. I trust them. But, you know, why wouldn't they come with me? Why wouldn't they or why aren't they doing the same thing for me? And why did Wolverine do that thing to me? What am I going to do? She is dressed in her maid's outfit, which I thought she took off when she became the Phoenix, but I guess she must have kept it on. Yeah, she. if I look back to the last issue, she does, well, she kind of like zaps the maid costume away to her Phoenix costume. So maybe... She's got Phoenix powers. Yeah, I guess sure. she can do what she wants. <laughs> of course, in the uh, the retelling in, in her mind's eye, she retells the story of her almost killing Celine in her maid costume. So 
hello, continuity. Come on, JR, JR. Well, I think it's more Anne Nascenti not being like, guys, what is she wearing? Phoenix <laughs> costume or maid costume? Anne Nascenti's phone. Your minds. And so Rachel eventually stumbles upon the clothes of the disintegrated man that Celine killed earlier, and she loses it. I knew it. I knew this would happen. Curse you, Wolverine. See what you've done. And she reaches out with her Phoenix powers all the way to the Morlock tunnels where the X-Men are walking with Callisto and the gang. And she strikes Wolverine from that far away, knocking him with some sort of like lightning bolt scythe sort of thing onto the tracks of an oncoming, oncoming train. Wolverine nearly gets run over by the train. Kitty dives towards him to save him phasing him under the uh, the train tracks into the ground. She has to do very quickly because he's not conscious and can't stay underground too long because he'll, he'll drown. Yeah, Rachel hits her with the full force of the Phoenix Force. You got the Phoenix bird and, and everything uh, blasting him. And she's wondering about his precious morality now, little man. Kitty wonders if Wolverine could survive a train uh, track, uh, a train running him over, and she suspects he can, but why find out the hard way? So she pulls him up, uh, up through the ground. The train is stopping, and she's like, oh, the conductor's stopping the train. They're going to come back here, and I can't drag Wolverine. What are we going to do? I can't take him underground or else he'll suffocate because he's unconscious. And that's when Nightcrawler teleports in, grabs and the- says. I should have been the one to just get Wolverine in the first place, well, saving us all this trouble. My power is teleportation. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I buy this, though. Kitty just reacts. She's Yeah, no, I buy it, too. I just think it's funny that I'm sure that's what's going through Nightcrawler's head. <laughs> I'm such a bad leader. <laughs> Wait, am I still the leader? Now that Storm's back, is she the leader? But she doesn't have this- any power. I'm so confused. This is just an example of how bad a leader I would be. I wish I was swashbuckling right now. (laughs) And so, yeah, he teleports the three of them out, and uh, uh, Wolverine's like, Hey, kitty, I thought we weren't friends anymore. Shut up, Wolverine. (laughs) Give me a break. We're X-Men, you dope. We look after our own, no matter how butt-headed that person may be. Very butt-headed of you to kill our friend. You butthead. What were you thinking? Uh, Caliban's here, too. I guess I skipped over, and he's very happy to see his friend Kitty Pride again. He's got his sushi shirt from whatever that was where he got it. Power Pack, I think. That's where he got the shirt? Caliban? Yeah, didn't he give Caliban the shirt in some non-Uncanny X-Men issue? Well, I think you're thinking of Leech, where he gets his sweatshirt and no, hat. I'm thinking of when, when Kitty says, ah, I got this from Japan, and Caliban's oh. like, oh, thank you, Kitty. This oh, this means a whole lot to me. Oh, I think, yeah, I think you're right. I'd forgotten about that. Yeah. Uh, so Callisto's like, well, I guess I don't know Wolvie all that well. Looks like Red's still <laughs> alive, and apparently she hates your guts. Yeah. Well, Wolfie's anyway, and Rogue says she she tried to reach out to me before she left, and I probably should have uh, at least tried, and maybe we all should have tried, because really, she's just kind of lonely and messed up, and isn't that what we're for? We're supposed to help these people. We're supposed to help her out. Storm's like, I reacted from the heart, not my head. I forgot my responsibilities as leader of the X-Men, and that's when Nightcrawler's like, oh, <laughs> I'm not the leader anymore. 
her need was so great, so desperate. Why did I refuse to see? But the past is done. Words cannot be uh, spoken, cannot be recalled, nor actions changed. Yeah. So let's get her. Let's go find her, everybody. Yeah. Uh, this is the second time in this issue Storm has said, all right, we got to move forward. We can't look back. Come on, guys. Give it the program. And then uh, they ask Caliban uh, with uh, Wolverine out of action, you need to locate Phoenix for us. And so remember when we first met Caliban and he was like super strong and, and all that stuff? Yeah, you know, no. secondary mutation was to lose all that. <laughs> yeah, so now now he's just a, a weak little tracker. But he still liked Kitty Pride. That's so true. So that, that continued. Meanwhile, in Central Park, the... Um, Hellfire Club have changed into their evil costumes. Were they not in their evil costumes before? No, they, I think. Well, I don't. I didn't think so. I thought they were just in like suits. Maybe they were in their costumes. I think they were in their costumes. They were just no. sitting around in their costumes. Well, because like uh, the, I mean, their costumes kind of are their suits. Well, but except for this Frederick guy, the guy with the cloth suit, Rome. Uh, the Black Frederick, Rook. Yeah, Frederick von Rome, the Black Rook. So, He's got a bondage yeah. uh, costume, but he isn't wearing that in the other panel. But yeah. everybody else looks the same. No, the the guy, the, the buoyancy guy. If you flip back, he's wearing like a green suit coat and a green shirt. And now he's wearing like a black vest with a blue cape and a green face mask. Oh, I guess. They look the same to me. I mean, it looks. you're right. The colors are different. And he did add a cape. Yeah. So, I mean, this is their costumes. I think, I think maybe Shaw's wearing... Yeah, Shaw's effectively wearing the same thing, but but I mean, so so the Hellfire Club are out and they're they're gonna do some damage. But aren't they like well-respected industrialist millionaires? Like they wouldn't want to be spotted <laughs> or identified as as evil mutants, would they? Well, Harry Leland's got his headband, and Tessa's got her handkerchief over her nose right. and mouth. Um, and uh, I guess Shaw just figures I'll just punch them if they see me. Yeah. Celine goes to the Black Rook, Friedrich van, von Rom, and kind of transforms him into a, I don't know, just a, um instinctful wolf. Yeah, he kind of uses her in the same way that Rachel was used as a mutant hunter. Yep. Um, I thought last issue when Rachel grabbed this guy that this was Harry Leland. No. But it wasn't. And now I don't know what Frederick Rom's, von Rom's powers are. What? He's just got claws. Is that just his thing? I, he, I, I thought I thought Celine gave him these claws. With her thoughts, Celine closes a genetic switch, and the black rook is instantly transformed into something less than human. Doesn't say anything about whether or not those claws are his. I guess we'll find out in the future. I I'm just curious because I don't know anything about Friedrich von Rome, or at least I don't remember him. Yeah. I haven't read these in a while. I'm just flipping back here a little bit because somebody says I have no wish to feel Wolverine's claws again. Oh, it's uh okay. It's some dude in silhouette. Unlike you, Celine, I have felt Wolverine's claws. Uh, I can't tell you who that is. Uh, it's I think, probably Harry Leland. I think you're right. Stabbed. I think you're right. I think it is Harry Leland that's in the backdrop. Okay, I'm with you. I don't know who this dude is, but he's got claws now, and he's uh, he's hunting. He's finding Rachel's blood scent, and uh, off I he goes. If, his, it, if it turns out that his actual power is going to end up being way more useful than this. <laughs> I don't... His power is to, like, incinerate mutants when he sees them. Yeah, yeah. Hmm. Yeah, so uh, Leland and Shaw are both like, huh, I don't know about Phoenix, but this chick scares me. Yeah, I mean, you know, Shaw's, Shaw's had this feeling all along, so... Mm-hmm. He kind of says, hey, I, as, I, I trust you still serve me, Celine, right? Huh? 
Test it, analyze, and evaluate what you've seen here. Most probably a specific voluntary transmutation talent akin to lycanthropy activated through some psychic interface with Celine's own power. Turned her into a werewolf. Yep. Or she turned him into a werewolf. Mistress, I have her close by and sorely uh, wounded. Lead us to her. So off they go to get Rachel. Nimrod is also in Central Park, which these this one panel, or I guess two panels of Nimrod, I wish this wasn't in the issue because I forgot Nimrod was in this issue at this point. And when he does appear in this issue, it would have been so much cooler if I had forgotten and just been like, oh, yeah, whoa. Whoa, Nimrod's in this issue. I forgot. Yeah, I agree. It kind of also breaks up the pacing. Doesn't need to be here. But, yeah, he's got all of his little antennas uh, scanning around, and and he's got uh, the Hellfire Club, the Morlocks, the X-Men, and the mutant entity Phoenix appears to be the nexus of the other's activities. Majority of subjects converging on her position. Contact imminent. Contact imminent. And it is. As Rachel's kind of uh, limping off, she's like, i got to push, got to make it. I don't know where I'm going, but i got to make it. And that's where Frederick von Rome shows up, and he jumps off a hill at her. And he says, Rawr! <laughs> Rogue flies in and says, I got you, Ray, and the cavalry's right behind me. Cavalry? She must mean the X-Men. But do I want them to rescue me? Friedrich and von... Friedrich von Rome tears at Rogue's costume with his aforementioned claws and... Uh, of course, contacts Rogue's back, which Rogue, uh, this is like, this is a weird, okay, so so I guess because Celine is in control of Frederick Von Rome and Celine is more powerful than Rogue, Celine is now in control of Rogue, yeah. which was confusing at first, but it, it does make sense. Yeah. Because at first I was like, this isn't the way that Rogue's powers work. Well, they are and they aren't. Um, it's like whoever has the most powerful psyche uh or most understandable psyche wins which is why when spiral when when she absorbed spiral's powers spiral was such a strong personality that spiral just took over right and which is, usually i mean we've only we've only been introduced that as of a few issues ago right. and, so. I, and uh, you know and it just stands to reason this guy really isn't himself or he's been transformed by Celine, who's a very powerful mutant so so yeah she just catches evil here she's just so, not in control so like Frederick von Rome, she gets hunched over and turned into a beast uh, with claws. I'm, where, did, where are these people getting their claws from? Are they just really sharp nails? I think it's like really sharp like finger points is what uh, von Rome has. And that's what Rachel, oh. or I mean what Rogue grows. That looks painful. It does. Yeah, it looks very painful. I don't know. If you go back to the first von Rome page, it's just really long fingernails. Mm. Yeah, I guess you're right. Gross. Rachel blasts Rogue away. She's like, oh, she looks different. Um, I'm going to blast her away. I'm still kind of weak, though. My attack on Wolverine left me too drained, too weak to stop her. But Celine steps in and says, this prison of rock should hold you, X-Men. Uh, and she brings up from the ground a prison of rock around Rogue, preventing her Rogue from continuing. Which is kind of strange because Rogue was kind of doing her business for her. But yeah. I guess... I guess she just wants her pet back, and she wants her pet in her pet's body. I don't know. Behold, Sebastian Phoenix is ours for the taking, and that's when the X-Men comes in. Uh, Colossus does a fastball special, throwing Kitty at Rogue, who phases her out of the rock. 
and they crash to the ground and she realizes that Rogue is, is different. She's scary. She might she might be in trouble right now. And that's when Celine says, your compere is under my influence. Slay her, Rogue. But if she was under if she knew he was she was under her influence, why didn't she just say, Rogue, stop? I don't, I don't I don't need to put you in these all these rocks. I, don't know. I can just tell you, come over here. I don't know, because at this point the influence has let go and, and Rogue is like, No. <laughs> Rogue, you're yourself again. Hardly kiddo, transfer shock knocked me for a real loop, but now I'm back in control of my head. It must have just happened because Celine didn't realize it yet. And by this time, uh, everybody's realized that Rachel has disappeared. Storm, Storm says, she is fled. Storm says, the X-Men have no quarrel with you, Shaw. Let's just go our separate ways. You let us get Phoenix and, and we'll be out of here. Shaw's like, uh, we can't do that. Leland, deal with Colossus. And so Leland uses his buoyancy control powers and uh, makes uh, Colossus cave into the ground. And this is where Kitty runs over to the ground and brings him out of the ground like he she did to Wolverine earlier in the issue? No, um, that's not what happens. Rogue decides that she's going to come over and help, uh, but by the time she gets over there to grab Colossus to pull him out of the ground, Celine disintegrates Rogue's gloves, and Rogue absorbs Colossus's powers and realizes that if she keeps pulling, she's going to rip human Peter's arm off. I don't know where Kitty is. Kitty uh, just saved Rogue, so she's there. <laughs> she's like, I'm going to take a furlough on this one. I mean, I guess she's sitting next to Rogue when Rogue is like, I got it, Kitty. I got this. You watch. I've been practicing. Oh, this isn't going to work. Hey, maybe I should grab your powers before I head over there. No, they're mine. <laughs> Leland wants to know if he should release Colossus. And uh, Shaw's like, no, we're not going to do that. He's either going to suffocate or they're going to take another teammate out of the group to go save him. See, look, there goes Rogue now. She dives into the ground, which is... She's pretty cool. She's kind of like drilling her way down. Mm -hmm. Storm, what do we do? Be calm, Shadowcat. All will be well. Nightcrawler. Ja. Can you both travel? Uh, Nightcrawler and Wolverine stayed behind because Wolverine was so weak. Yeah, there's, they must have like some intercoms or something like that. Come at once, Callisto. You also, Rogue. Now, how are they communicating? They've got, like I said, they got little wireless intercoms. Because usually they use Phoenix. Yeah, it's it's a cop-out. I mean, somebody was just like, huh, how are we going to have all these people talk? I know. How about they just have little intercoms? And we won't even say, hey, everybody, put an intercom on so we can communicate. <laughs> yeah. So, yeah, apparently Rogue's awesome intercom works underground. <laughs> yep. She says, I'm closing in on Colossus. And Storm tells her to leave him. And she says, no. Storm, he'll die. Execute an immediate earth shaker against the Lord's Cardinal. This must be a move that they've been practicing. Oh, yeah, the earth shaker. She says that Colossus will not die if you are quick, rogue. Neutralize Leland and Peter will no longer be affected by his ultra mass power. Only then can he be saved. And then she tells Kitty to go after them to, like, help, right? No, no. But Kitty's right there. No. I can see her. <laughs> nope, she's just watching a Shaw says, you've lost Storm, surrender, and we will spare the boy. Uh, and Storm says, and if I do surrender? At the very least, you will live. Consider the alternative. Oh, okay. Rachel is, is she found herself like a little ravine, and she's like, oh, the hellfire goons, I can sense their thoughts. They're right behind Storm. I should warn her telepathically, but Selene will hear. She'll find me again. If I do nothing, she could die, but serves them all right. Let them suffer. Stop at their X-Men. I should help. Oh, I gotta go. <laughs> 
I'm out of here. She convinces herself that the X-Men are better off without her. Yeah, they always get out of messes like this. And she'd probably only make matters worse. And that's when the Hellfire goons jump out of the bushes and uh, they're about to shoot Storm in the back when in a kind of a silhouetted panel that I really like, you see a giant word that says mutants. And then we get a full page spread of Nimrod bursting in the air and saying, I, I am Nimrod. Your physical nature automatically brands you as felons. The unsanctioned use of those mutant abilities is a capital crime punishable by, wait for it, death. Oh my god. Which, if I didn't know that uh, Nimrod was there, I would have been like, oh, Nimrod! Yeah, exactly. I forgot about him. That's awesome! So, uh, yeah. There you go. Nimrod's back in town, y'all. Sure would would be helpful if Magneto was here with these guys. (laughs) Has has Nimrod faced Magneto at this point, or no? I don't think so. Hmm. Yeah, he might be useful. (laughs) There you go. Next one, 208. It's a good issue. Good issue. I had lots of uh, logical problems, but overall, I appreciate the... Uh, it, it was one of those things, you know, there are like movies, like like a good example of a movie like this is like True Romance, mm-hmm. where there's all these different elements kind of heading together, mm-hmm. and you know at some point they're all going to clash, and you're, it's kind of a build up to that. It was a little bit like that. Maybe not as well executed, but no. I liked it. True Romance is one of my favorite movies of all time. It's a good one. It sure is. It's a good one. So, yeah, uh, let us know what you think or thought of that or anything that we do by visiting us at www.xmenpodcast.com, facebook.com forward slash Danger Room Podcast. At Danger Room Go is where we can be followed on the Twitters. Danger Room at redcapproductions.com is where we can be emailed at. Go out to iTunes, go into the podcast section, search up Danger Room, we're the first podcast that shows up. Or you can give us a phone call and leave us a voice message at 501-GET-X-MEN, 501-438-9636. And as always, our theme music is provided by Laszlo Hollyfeld. Adam, did you do any additional reading? I read New Mutants number 43. Okay. Anything exciting happened? Because I didn't read it. Um... Roberto returns to the team. Uh, if you recall, he left the team prior to the Beyonder turning all the new mutants, like making everybody forget, which reminded me about that time that Beyonder made everybody forget about the new mutants. Mm-hmm. So did that like wear off or did people like, like what happened? Because um, Roberto completely clearly remembers all of them at this point. Everybody forgot about the new mutants. Then the new mutants were pooped out of the baby machine without souls. And then the Beyonder returned their their souls to that, I don't know. The Beyonder sent the New Mutants up to fight everybody. And everybody was like, who are these, who are these people? Yeah. And then the New Mutants handily defeated the Marvel Universe, almost. Yep. And then they disappeared from the rest of Secret Wars. Yep. So at some point, the Beyonder, before he turned into a baby and died, must have like, I better let everybody remember the New Mutants as a, you know, as a, get some goodwill. But not only that, remember the New Mutants were like all depressed. Oh, wait, that was the White Queen. Never mind. Yeah, that, that depression happened after after Secret Wars. Okay, never mind. Now they were depressed because of the Beyonder. Right, right, right. And then was the White Queen using that to, like, push them away or push them on or something? Yeah, sort of, but it ended up not working out that way. Yeah, uh, just forget about all that. (laughs) 
So yeah, Roberto's back. Yay. And um, if you remember Sharon and Tom, who way back in the, what was it, Death Bear saga? Yep. They were also doing it. Were they? Yeah. Oh. Weren't they? Uh, didn't the Beyonder say you'll be... No, Empath did that. Oh, right, right. They were like just making out like crazy. Yeah, so Empath never turned that off, and they ended up going into New York City and becoming uh, depraved punk rockers. Okay. Um, Tom's got a, a mohawk now. Okay. And uh, so, so they're they don't they're they're pretty messed up. They finally made their way back after it wore off, I guess, after a while. But they they did really terrible things in that time, and now they're just really sad. So Roberto get, catches wind of this and says, we got to get revenge on Empath. And the New Mutants are like, well, okay. Uh, and Roberto wants to kill Empath. The New Mutants are like, well, let's see what happens. And they so they kidnap Empath. Uh, they teleport him into limbo. They kind of scare him a lot, have him run around, um, throw some demons at him, threaten to almost kill him a number of times. And then they're about like, uh, Cypher is about to punch him in the face. And he's like, I can't do this. This is wrong. Roberto's like, no, it's not. And the rest of the new kids are like, no, we're, we're good guys. Maybe he's learned his lesson. And Roberto's like, I doubt it. He's a jerk. And that's when the, uh, the Hellions show up and say they look after, they, they got to look after their own, even though they agree that Empath is sort of a jerk. And they make a deal that the Hellions are going to look after Empath and keep him from doing stuff like this again. And after they leave, Empath is like, I'll get them. And that's when Thunderbird says, I take my responsibilities very seriously and punches him in the face and says, if you don't learn from this experience, you'll have to deal with me. The end. Whoa. So that was resolved. Although they never talked about how Magneto was manipulated by empath in, in letting the kids go over to the Massachusetts school. That's a plot. They just sort of dropped. They even bring it up this and Roberto's like, I can't believe Magneto let you mutants go over to the Massachusetts school. And I'm like, he didn't. Come on. <laughs> yeah. Well, I read, uh, I read X Factor number seven. Oh. Yeah, I did. Um, X- Tell me about it. X Factor number seven, um, after the whole battle with the Alliance, X Factor uh, as their mutant fo- uh, uh, guys has to um, bre- basically break into the X-Factor plane because they uh, their X-Factor uniforms were ruined. Uh, and so as they are approaching the airplane from above, uh, Cyclops turns over to Gene and is like, open up the blah, blah, blah switch. And Gene's like, I don't, I don't know what you're asking me to do. And he's like, oh, come on, Maddie. It's as if you've never seen. And she's like, who's Maddie? He's like, uh, uh, somebody who knew where the blah, blah, blah switch was. He says sheepishly. (laughs) And so they get into the airplane and they fly back to New York to find that the anti-mutant fervor is at fever pitch. And there's all these protesters outside of X Factor uh, headquarters. We meet a new reporter named Trish Tilbit, who I believe will be renamed Trish Tilby. But. Everything, yeah, I noticed that. Yeah, I don't know if that's a typo or if they just decided to change her name. But anyways, um, they different act, person, different person. X Factor, they they go, they make it inside their headquarters, and uh, uh, Scott's like, I gotta, I gotta make a phone call. And uh, Gene's like, what, what's going on there with him? Who's this Maddie person? I don't understand what's going on. So eventually, X Factor, uh, they go into the training room and uh, they have like a little training session, and and Gene's like. 
uh, guys, we got to figure something out because I feel like you, you feel like I'm getting the drop on me because I don't have my telepathy. So we got to figure something out. And uh, they're like, well, we'll play a game of tag. You can't use your abilities, uh, but if we tag you, you you lose. And if you knock us down by using anything else uh, except for your t- telekinesis on us, then you win. And so they have this big training session where she is actually handily taking them out. And she basically works out by the guy's non-answer that uh, Scott has a wife and his wife's name is Maddie. Whoa. What? And their silence confirms it. There's also a story about these two mutants that are in there that have been um, um, further altered with atomic energy and they uh they they just want to be left alone but everywhere they go they're being hunted by these anti-mutant people so they decide that they're going to make their big scene uh by uh coming into x-factor headquarters and trashing the place and then they'll be shot up by all the police and they'll basically be martyrs for mutant dumb so now x-factor's in this conundrum where they're like well i i see what they're doing And we don't necessarily disagree with what they're doing. So they basically have to split up because they're also worried because the media and specifically Tower is putting together that everywhere these X-Factor dudes are, these other mutants are. I wonder if there's a connection. So Cameron Hodge and Vera and Rusty and Angel and Gene, they all put on X-Factor costumes while Cyclops and Beast and Iceman uh, come in as X-Factor. And now X-Factor and as they have newly dubbed themselves the exterminators uh, actually have get to have a little fight uh, as they surround these two uh, horribly mutated uh, mutants and uh, you know eventually the two horribly mutated mutants head off um, we meet a, a young woman named skids who is a morlock but she's beautiful and the reason she's beautiful is because anytime mask tries to alter her face the uh, alteration just skids off of her body which gets oh. retconned because that's not really how her power is revealed to work later oh. <laughs> um that's uh, that's about it uh, at the end of the issue uh jean's like uh scott we need to have a talk dun 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 yep and then uh a couple of spider-man issues that i don't know did you read them i read them uh, before that, I, I did a quick research while you were talking. Mm-hmm. Um, so you didn't listen to anything I said? No, I read that issue. I didn't need <laughs> oh. to. Uh, Nimrod. Besides, it wasn't for me. It was for our dear listener. Oh, right, right, right. Uh, Nimrod. Yeah. Um, besides having a few more appearances in Uncanny X-Men, will later appear in X-Force okay. in the 90s. And then new the new X-Men in the mid 2000s, which is not the Grant Morrison run. Um, and, and that's it. I re- oh, that's it. I remember a spoiler uh, image that Jim Lee drew during the new X-Men phase that had, I think Nimrod was prominently featured as well as a bunch of other villains. It was supposed to be like a teaser for what was to come soon. But then I think two issues later, he left for image. <laughs> <laughs> and if we ever get there and, and we find that, that poster, whatever that is, um, I'll be sure to point it out because I don't think I don't know that he ever draws Nimrod. So uh, Bulk and Glowworm, who you were just talking about, the two mutated mutants yeah. from X Factor number seven. Yep. Next, they they next appear in New Mutants Annual number four. Oh, if we ever get there. Okay, interesting. I didn't know they had more appearances. Neither did I because the whole issue they're like, oh, we every day we feel sicker and sicker, and we're gonna die soon. Yeah. So. 
Um, so yes, uh, Peter Parker, Spider-Man number 116. The only thing I have, feel free to elaborate on this. The only thing I got to say uh, about that is uh, Sabretooth shows up. He wants to be in like this dude's gang and the guy's like, I don't need your help. And he's like, I'm going to be helpful for you anyways and get this black cat person. Uh, and then he ends up fighting Spider-Man. And Black Cat gets mad at Spider-Man because Spider-Man's fighting her battle. A lot of violence against Black Cat in this issue that I felt kind of uncomfortable with. <laughs> it was a bit brutal, yeah. And even like talking about past brutality that's happened to Black Cat. Oh, yeah, at the beginning because she's, like, she's all beat up and everything. And, and then uh, she finds herself kissing i think one of her attackers as she like regains consciousness and she's like yeah. oh you're not peter what oh my god uh it's it's super creepy yeah was... but i i do like the there's a there's a page where peter parker in his spider-man costume is pacing around the room trying to work things out and in one panel he's headed and it's like a shot from a window outside of a uh brick, brick building and uh we see him pacing one way pacing the other way pacing away from us and then he's on the ceiling, and then he's headed down the side wall and up the other wall. It was kind of clever. Yeah, I like that one too. But uh, yeah, other than that, yeah, Sabretooth. Sabretooth is back and in here for some reason. Yeah, and this guy that he wants to work for, uh, well, he's nobody we're going to see in the pages of the X-Men. So it's not even like you'd be like, oh my gosh, this is the origin of how he meets that guy. So I'm wondering if like, so Chris Claremont hasn't used Sabretooth since I think, didn't he write that issue of Iron Fist that he first showed up in? I don't know. I know he wrote an an issue of Iron Fist with Sabretooth, but I don't know if that was the debut of Sabretooth. So yeah, Sabretooth, um, he's, he's doing much better than he was last time we saw him in, uh, Luke Cage and, uh, Power, Power Man and Iron Fist where he was essentially a homeless guy. They decided, oh, let's make this person uh, Sabretooth. And then they were like, they didn't know how to write him, and he was kind of this weird, confused madman. So he's more of himself, getting back to his roots, being just just an evil dude, how to kill people. So Amazing Spider-Man number 282 has that 25th anniversary border of marvel superheroes with the portrait in the middle uh but x factor and x-men won't have this for a while so is this out of like release continuity as it appears in the epic volume but they didn't Um, know where else to put it so they put it here well yeah in, in i have i have a lot of issues with the order that the x factor epic collection puts things like i don't think that annual should have gone where it went yeah the, the, and the only reason I think that is because they refer to themselves in that annual as the Exterminators. Oh. As you established in X-Factor issue 7, they don't get the Exterminator name until X-Factor issue 7. Right. So technically, that should appear after this. I thought so because it's like, boy, it's really early for there to be an annual issue. There's only been like five issues of X-Factor. So this uh, Spider-Man issue is in uh, solicited for November and the X-Factor issue you read was in August so I'm just I'm assuming that they're, they they just put it here because there's no better place to put it. Yeah, I mean this issue doesn't this particular issue uh, it means nothing. Uh, I probably the only reason it's here is because this is an epic volume because there's you know as you saw uh, it doesn't even fit here because Gene's like we need to have a talk, Mister. But first, let's have a Spider-Man adventure, <laughs> right? Because as we open up X Factor number what uh, eight. It's going to be Gene and Scott talking, but 
So, I mean, I guess it's possible that the Spider-Man adventure happens in between, but very unlikely. And really, they don't. Nobody talks about anything interpersonality related with uh, X Factor in this issue. Uh, all it really is is J. Jonah Jameson calls X Factor on Spider-Man, and X Factor's like, "Huh? He ain't no mutant. Should we help him? Well, might as well." And uh, you know, they fight, and uh, yep. eventually they decide that they they're not going to bring Spider-Man to Jonah Jameson. And they give uh, Jameson his money back. Jameson wants to write a nasty review on them, but uh, what's the guy's name? Robbie Robertson. How could I not remember that? I know. (laughs) Robbie Robertson says, uh, no, I'll do an article on them, but I'm not going to trash them just because you had a bad experience. So you either accept that or I will put in my resignation. A lot of stuff that has nothing to do with X Factor. Robbie Robertson is like, I got... I don't like these X Factor people. I don't like what they stand for. I don't like what they do. But my ethics and morals as a newsman prevents me from just writing up a schmear story, even though my boss has been doing this for like 40 years against Spider-Man. Oh, you know. And then... <laughs> but yes, yeah, that's that's the gist of that issue. That's their dynamic. It was uh, it was boring. Um I didn't think it was boring. I liked the, I liked the Spider-Man stuff. Uh, yeah. I mean, I I didn't know that at this point Spider-Man or Peter Parker and Mary Jane were dating other people, but kind of secretly attracted to each other. That was entertaining. Is, is this was it this or the Peter Parker uh, one sixteen where they talk about the Hobgoblin and all that stuff? Oh, I don't remember that. Okay, that's in here somewhere. Also, Spider-Man uh, he's having a hard time. He was like at the crap beat out of them by like the vulture or something a couple issues ago i don't know it doesn't matter i I guess if you're a spider-man guy you're probably like oh this issue is pretty good and hey x-factor's here i heard about them but if you're an x-factor person reading you're like these aren't my characters yeah mainly this is just showing that the x-factor is happening in the marvel universe yeah people are becoming aware of it i mean i think even in the last issue of uh x-men we didn't we didn't mention it but somebody talks about Oh, those X Factor people. Did they? Maybe I'm reading ahead. I can't remember. I think you might be. I think you might be reading ahead. Okay. But Anything's possible. Th- there's there'll be a few cross references very soon, but but I I, th- I I don't I don't know if it was the last issue that I was reading or if I was reading ahead, but it was a very it was a very subtle reference, like X, X Factor was on TV or something like that. Oh, huh, okay. Or or somebody just kind of mentioned them on the side and was just like, uh, I wonder. Who those X Factor people are? Sure. You know what? I, I was reading ahead. <laughs> I didn't. Yeah, I was like, I, I've been looking for that because there will be billboards and bus signs and and even even they'll they will see each other and mention each other in their corresponding comics. And likely, it will not make any sense most of the time. <laughs> Mostly, it won't make any sense or matter. So, <laughs> yeah. So there, there you go. That's uh, that's everything for this week, everybody. Yep. So, uh... Can't argue with that. No. I mean, I could, but why would I? Yeah, you'd lose that argument. Yeah. <laughs> I hate losing arguments. Oh, yeah, losing arguments is the worst. So, until next time, my name is Jeremy. My name's Adam. And the Danger Room is closed. Danger Room.